series, Events of the End Times. All right, I'll give you a couple of minutes while you are uh, letting the children leave and you're getting your Bibles out. You're going to need them in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, right at the end as it moves into chapter 13. Um, We are looking at the events of the end times, and our perspective is attempting to avoid two things, replacement theology, so that we keep Israel, both the people and the land, central to these prophecies and not usurp them into the church, and getting the gospel wrong by thinking that the gospel is going to change the world when actually the gospel is a calling out of the world to come alongside Israel in anticipation of the return of Jesus and the establishment and return of the kingdom to Israel. Now I'm going to share the chart again just to uh, make sure that uh, you have it. So let me, uh, let me pull that up. You should have this uh, yourself. I just want to remind you quickly uh, what we're uh, what we're looking at. I don't know what happened there. I just lost something. Let me try to fix that. There it is. Okay, uh, we established that the last days, according to the scriptures, which will lead up to the day of the Lord, really began with the first coming of. Jesus and the apostle said, "These are the last days." Right now, the day is as a thousand years. So, I want you to remember and keep in mind because it's very hard when you've been steeped in this that the idea of a secret rapture, a disappearing act by the church, is not found in Scripture. It's found in Christianity, but not in Scripture. The gathering of the believing dead. And those who are still alive and remain at the second coming will be visible, much as the ascension of the Lord was visible. We looked at the signs that Jesus said would come immediately after the Great Tribulation. Signs in heaven, the sun turning dark, the moon to blood, and the stars falling. And signs in the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. As the wrath of God is poured out on the earth by the seven angels, we'll get to that later in the series. After that great tribulation, Jesus said that those signs would happen. And he places his return and the gathering of the believers with the sound of the trumpet, the living and the dead, after that tribulation. Now we saw that the events of the great tribulation begin, according to Jesus, with the abomination of desolation, what Paul calls the revealing of the man of sin, or the man of lawlessness. This event involves the Antichrist, or the beast, making a seven-year covenant with Israel. In the middle of that covenant, he will stop the temple sacrifice, and the false prophet, that second beast, will set up a living idol of the beast in the holy place with the claim that this one is God and alone must be worshipped. And Jesus said this would begin the great tribulation and that those in Judea needed to get out of town rapidly uh, because of the tribulation uh, happening. And it will happen approximately three and a half years. Jesus said those days would be cut short for the elect's sake. 
Now this beast will want to kill the sealed 144,000 remnant of Israel. Not will be He will not be able to. They're sealed both from the wrath of God and they are protected by God. You see that in Revelation chapter 12, which I hope you've read. Those who believe from every nation, tribe, and tongue, though, will be persecuted and martyred. And John sees both these groups in uh, chapter 7 of uh, his text. So, uh, let me uh, get back to my, uh, my reading here. So, today we're going to look more closely at the beast, and more specifically at the mark of the beast, which is taken on the forehead and on the right hand, which is either his name or his number. And we're going to pick this up at Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. Now, verse 17 finishes a vision that John saw, where he saw... uh, Israel as a woman who gives birth to the Messiah, who Satan is trying to devour as the dragon, and he is caught up to God and to his throne. Satan then is kicked out of heaven and goes after Israel, but she is protected for a time, times, and half a time. Ultimately then, we get this statement that is made in verse 17. So the dragon was enraged with the woman, he's enraged with Israel, and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now, this is important. He's going after the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Among these are this myriad of martyrs that John saw standing before the throne who had come out of this great tribulation, given white robes as martyrs in that context. So now we're going to take a look at a passage we looked at last time, but we need to look a little more carefully. That is Revelation 13. Verses 1 to 6 says, The dragon stood on the sand of the seashore, And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns, seven heads. On his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, beat like a bear, his mouth was like a lion. And the dragon, that is Satan, gave him his power, and his throne, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, they're actually worshipping Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to wage war against him? And he was given a mouth to speak arrogant blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months. That's three and a half years. Now, I want you to see that John sees this beast given his authority by the dragon, that's Satan, and he has one head that has been killed and then healed. Now, this is debated regarding the timing. I'll talk a little bit about it this time, but we'll talk more about it in another session. I want to pick it up at verse 7, because this is important. It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. 
and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone is killed with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance of the saints. Now, we saw this last time, but I want to underscore it. This beast, this Antichrist, will make war with the saints and overcome them. This is not a disappearing act of the church, but there really is a time when those who hold to the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus will be attacked and he will overcome them. He says some of them, some of us, will be taken captive. Some will be martyred, and in that, in the being captured, and in the martyrdom, there is a statement here about endurance. This endurance or perseverance and faith of the saints is critical. Now you remember, when we talked about Jesus talking about these things in Matthew 24, And in Luke 21, he specifically said, when this is going on, those who endure to the end, he means endure in their faithfulness, will be saved. By your endurance, he says in Luke 21, you will gain your life. Those who lose their life, for my sake, shall gain it. Now, it is those who aren't written in the Lamb's Book of Life who will worship the beast. So I want us to look at this chapter 13, beginning at verse 11. We picked up kind of where we were last week. Verse 11, he says this, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. He spoke like a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. He makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. He deceives those who dwell on earth because of the signs which has been given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound from the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all the rich, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the servants, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead, uh, or on their forehead, And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let he who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. The number is the number of man. His number is 666. Now this second beast is, if you will, a false prophet. He will work miracles. And he will promote the kingdom of the first beast, who is a ruler. And he will set up an image of that beast in the holy place. That is the abomination of desolation that we have been looking at. 
He will require all to worship the beast and his image, and he will place a mark on the forehead and the right hand. That mark is the name of the beast or the number of the name. And the number is given. That number is 666. Now, many have attempted to identify the beast. And to the present, they've all failed. I mean, every world leader, every religious leader has been claimed to be one of these two beasts. So what do we know for sure? We know that a world leader who is associated with the destruction of the great harlot Babylon, which we will address later in the series, he will be given the appearance of having survived death. Now, there are two options here. One is by a resurrection or by reincarnation. Talk more about that later. He will establish a covenant with Israel to engage in temple worship, and then he will break that covenant, stopping the sacrifice, and he will go after Israel, who will not worship this image, and all the saints in that context. We do not know for sure who he is until he breaks the covenant by stopping the sacrifice, because Paul says that's the revealing of the man of sin. His name will be his authority, and his number is human, this 666. Now, I don't want to get into that now. We'll talk more about that later. He is satanically inspired and equipped to remove believers from the earth by their death. And he will largely succeed and then utterly fail. He is not a false Christ, though there will be many of those. It is unlikely that he will be an Israeli leader or considered a messiah Daniel's prophecy seems to indicate he is from a people who will come and overtake the area of Jerusalem. And he will confirm this covenant, giving Israel the freedom to engage in their sacrifices and worship. Very similar to what Rome allowed Israel to do during the time of the Second Temple. Now, more about that later. I want to zero in today on the mark of the beast. Verse 16 says that this false prophet will require all to worship the beast and to have a mark on their forehead or their right hand. Now, if you have been a student of prophecy, you know this is often described as a chip or a brand of some kind of tattoo that is on the hand or on the head uh, that the bearer wears because they are faithful to this beast and therefore they are allowed to buy and sell. Now, it's certain that that technology presently exists to have a chip or a mark that can be scanned in order to buy or sell. So I have no doubts that some kind of physical reality is part of this prophecy. But there is something here that's much deeper. And for us, at a time where we are not in those days, at least... Uh, in my estimation, we're closer than when we first believed, but I don't believe we're in the beginning of this yet. This deeper aspect is more important because it directly threatens you and me and our children as we come closer to the generation that, that will see this. Could be in our lifetime, but it could be in our children's, our children's children. You know, people have been waiting for this for a long time. 
So I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. You're very familiar with this text. Many of you have it memorized. Um, And I want you to see the parallel here. In Deuteronomy 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 4, God says to Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words which I command you shall be on your heart. That means heart and mind, your inner person. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. God's word is to permeate all of us internally. And Israel is told this, and we're expanded in this. And then the idea is, he says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and on as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts and on your gates. Now, I want you to be aware of this. This passage is central to who Israel is. They are to bear in their minds and in their actions the commandments of God. And you and I know the ritual that is associated with this. Religious Jews bind the words of God through the phylacteries or the tefillin on their foreheads and on their arms by means of their hands daily. Now, no one should believe that the meaning of this is merely that they're supposed to stick a box on their forehead and on their arm. As important as that ritual is, what they are to do is the word of God, the commands of God are to be in their minds so that their mind and their worldview is the worldview of God And it is to be expressed in everything they do with their hands. Now, the mark of the beast is going to be similar. The external is going to be less significant than the internal. Those who take the mark of the beast will submit their minds and their hearts to believe the lie that he is God. And they will behave as he instructs, including the worshiping, of his image. That's really important to keep that in mind. Now, this passage tells us that in the context of that, the Revelation passage that we were in, let me get back there, uh, it says that that he is going to, those who are, have their name in the book of life, uh, that anyone here who is here, there will be persecution of them. Now, Jesus talked about that in Matthew 24, verses 13 and 14. In telling about these events, he said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And he says, this gospel must be preached in the whole world for a witness, and then the end will come. So I want you to see, as we move into Revelation 14, those words of Jesus from Matthew. So in Revelation 14, and we're going to pick it up in verse 6, um, uh, John says, I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having the eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. 
And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and the spring of water. There is this angel. John sees the 144,000 uh, Jews who have been sealed and protected now in Zion. More about that later. John sees this angel then, after he sees them, with the eternal gospel being told to every tribe, tongue, people, telling them to worship only God the Creator, not this beast, not this Antichrist. Then he sees a second angel. The second angel, verse 8, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all the nations drink of the wine of the passions of her immorality. And then he sees a third angel, and this one says, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever, and they will have no rest day or night, those who receive the mark of the beast and his image, and who receive the mark of his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints, who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Now, I want you to catch this, and we'll tie it together later, but I'm trying to get you to see that John is giving us different angles of the same things. He talks about the endurance of the saints. What is their endurance? They keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus, even though they are going through this terrible tribulation. And those who take the mark of the beast will have no rest. But those who endure are told by the Spirit in this very odd but important statement, Blessed are those who die in the Lord in this context. That is, during this terrible persecution. So that they may rest from their labors. Now the word here for labors is a word that means beatings and troubles. It's persecution. And it says, for their deeds follow them. Now again, this is specifically talking about the time of the Great Tribulation. But, what does that have to do with us? We're not there, at least yet. So I want to go back to a text that I gave you at the beginning of this series, that we need to be thinking about these things because as we see patterns moving in that direction, it may not be the last one, but there are parallels of how we need to act and how we need to think as we come up against pushes towards assimilation and persecution. And that's in 1 John chapter 2. So if you'll turn to 1 John chapter 2, uh, let me remind you of this text that we looked at. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Children, it is the last hour. And just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have appeared. 
From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are not all of us. Now, all through history of those who keep the commandments of God and bear the testimony of Messiah, that there has been pulls to assimilate, to pull away from the faith, into the culture, not be transformed by the renewing of the mind, and to not maintain their testimony of Jesus. But those who do are those who are fighting because they know they are not of this world. John tells us that there are many antichrists. They are not of the God of this world. I mean, they are of the God of this world. They are not of God. And those who are of God have His Spirit in them. We are marked by His Spirit and by His Word in our minds and in our behavior. Those who leave us do not have the Spirit of God in them. They have the Spirit of the world, and therefore they hear the Word. The culture has their minds and has their hearts, and they will act as the world acts. Now, this has been more difficult in America because America has been so interconnected with the gospel and with the word of God. But that is beginning to pull away. And we are going to begin to see more and more of those who claim to be of Israel and those who claim to be of the church falling away from that and going with the world. And they, in a sense, are taking the mark of that beast. And they, Jesus said, will even betray us. And so it's important for us to keep ourselves, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is important that we pray for Israel. It is important that we see ourselves connected with Israel as an extension, not as a replacement. That we pray for God's people, both Israel and those from the nations, that we will be faithful and that we will endure. If we cannot handle this time, how will we handle that time? So a study of the prophecies of the end time is not an exercise in academic thought. It is not so we can know more than others in breath. It is so we will not be of the night but of the day. And we will see the patterns of these things, preparing ourselves and our children to endure. We seek to be those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus in our life and in our death. Now, this abomination of desolation, this image, will take place in the holy place. In order to talk about that, we have to think about the temple. And so we'll talk about that next time. I'm going to stop now, and then we'll do Q&A. So, if you will, pray with me.